you cannot pump your own gas in New Jersey. I was at the rental car place, and I'm like, I'm not even dealing with somebody pumping my own gas. I was like, do the fill-up thing. So I did not have somebody pump gas for me because I'm an American, man. I can pump my own gas. I digress. Um, so anyway, because I was in Jersey, when I try to get, when I travel for trips, I tried to get a little time into sightsee, and you know, I was just right by the shore, and I don't know if you know, but the easiest access to the Statue of Liberty is actually through New Jersey, so I was able to get in nice and easy, and I, I was able to buy really cheaply, a, a, like it was very affordable, tickets to Ellis Island, and then you go from Ellis Island, and they'll take you to Liberty Island, or you can skip Ellis Island if you're tired and poor, a hut of masses are not important to you. So um, just a really, I, w- I really need to break that down personally because it was just a great day just to see not just Americans of different cultures, but just people from all over the world just coming in. You know, I, like I had so, because I carry around a camera, everybody wants me to take their pictures and like none of them could speak English and we were communicating for this and I'm like, this is America, this is liberty. But as much as that was a moment, the thing that just really threw me off was this. I'm at the Statue of Liberty And there's all this, you know, just this grandiosity about it. And I could not get over the fact that I was checking out her rear end, which I'm sorry, wife, it's just, you're you're circling it, but it's it's a copper structure, it's not that. But I'm checking, and I'm just like, look at that foot, that is her right foot. And I remember seeing this at one point, but I totally forgot it until seeing her right foot. And I really, this isn't my picture. I found this today, but I took like six pictures of her right foot because if you notice, number one, she's wearing sandals, which I did read this week that that would have been a woman's size 876. But if you see, it's arched, right? So she's not planted firmly. She's actually in movement. And this was apparently deliberate from the designer Because it's this idea that, yes, this is liberty, but liberty is constantly advancing. So it was like this subtle foot move. I've just been thinking about it for the past few days. And then trying to bring this into what we are talking about in our teaching series, which is our behind-the-scenes look at the book of Acts. Now, you maybe are familiar with the book of Acts. It's in the New Testament. This happens after the life of Jesus. We're actually going to mention, like, right after Jesus ascends. This is the next chapter of the story of God's people. And the story of God's people then intertwines with the church. That's tough for some people because many of us carry baggage when it comes to church. But we need to see that in the Bible, the way that we, the people of God today, access him is in our involvement with the other saints, which happens in the church. And what we are doing here at the beginning of the Acts is that we see within this organization that God has ordained, it's how do we go then and look at the moving forward of the church. It runs through those that God has called to lead the church. And this coincides perfectly, almost as if it was planned, into this day, our Commission Sunday, where we are commissioning the, the leaders of this church to move forward. We, we Commission, by the way, is one of our core values. All our core values start with the letter C. And this commission, if you think of it just really basic from an etymological standpoint, it, we are co-mission. You and I, God's people, we are on a mission with God to accomplish what Jesus told his followers right before he left the earth. In Matthew 28, this is the great commission. 
And this is not just for leaders. This is for all people who love the Lord and want to follow God. This is what Jesus tells us to do, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that he's commanded us, and he will be with us always. So sometimes this is called ordination. I love that we have this chance to co-opt it and talk about this idea of commissioning because to commission, as Jesus said, is to join mission with God and to go, to move forward, and that's what he has called us to do. Um, My name's Steve. I'm one of the elders of this church. If you're new here, we're we're glad that you're with us. And actually, it was my wife and I and and a few people in this audience, Dorota, Larry, were here at the very beginning when we were about eight people deciding to start this church 14 years ago. And we were able to keep going, and actually, it 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 was four years ago, and I know it was four years ago in July, where even though I was the lead minister of the church and carrying on, I just knew it was time to change. Some of it had been the change with me. Some of it had been where the church had been. And I actually wrote a blog post that you can go back and read if you were that bored this week. And then it's on my website. And it's called I Resign. And basically, that was like my resignation. I was like, hey, I am no longer the lead minister of this church. And at the time, we you know, talked about it. But that was the beginning stage to say something about this church needs to change. It needs to be a lot less Steve and a lot more of everybody else. And I will tell you that the reason I'm excited about today is that was four years ago, and in essence, this is not just a commissioning, this is a commencement graduation ceremony where I think we are going to have this new era of what God is going to do in the church. So what I love is that we're coinciding this with our study of the book of Acts, and we are going to see then not just how God calls leaders, but how he is calling all of us. So if you have a Bible either digitally or we have these blue pew Bibles. I'm on page 771. This is the New Testament, the book of Acts. Last week, we introduced the book of Acts. This week, we're going to start in verse 12, and I'm going to start reading here Acts chapter 1, verse 12 through 15. Then they returned, the disciples, returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city of Jerusalem. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying, and those who were present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. And they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Uh, um, Yeah, let me keep reading. Verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers, And I'm going to get ahead of myself. So just stop right here for a moment. So this is the interesting thing. Jesus now has ascended. He has left his followers behind to continue his mission out. And notice that what we have here right at the end in verse 15 is that we see that this number is about 120 people. So as Jesus is going through life, he wants to make sure that he is establishing the church. And in doing so, it's not going to come down to one individual and we see this long list of names right here, right? I don't know about you, but you know, there's something in you know, Catholic tradition that Peter was the first pope. I think everybody is just like, Peter was really in charge. And even though he's the guy who's going to step up and speak right here, it's not like Peter was like you know, the head honcho of everybody else. Actually, God called many different people to be a part of this leadership group in his new church. 
think that's an important lesson because oftentimes we look at leadership being one individual who is this prophetic voice who is able to accomplish so much. And man, the problem when we do that though, when we look to a singular leader is that if everything is based upon that individual, then everything is at stake with how they operate. I will say this parenthetically, and this is not a political statement. It's more of an observation. But right now, everybody is dismayed, or not everybody, but some of us. Some of us are glad. Some of us are dismayed about, you know, the current commander-in-chief of our country. And everybody's like, the country's going to fall apart. Yet we're three years into this, and, you know, my money still works. You know, I'm still getting water to my house. Things are happening. And I think that is by virtue that we actually are part of a government that has a plurality of leadership. Even though we look to the one individual, it's many people making it happen. The fortunate thing is, no matter if the, what the church is, there are many different people so that if one falls, the other can pick each other up. Okay, and that's the key to the church is that it's all of us coming together. Now, I love this about this description right here, is that we get this description of all the important people that were in the room. And if you look at the end, there's some ladies that are mentioned. And for, very, for, for a long time within the church proper, and maybe some of you ladies feel this, and maybe some of you men have ignored it. It's this idea, it's like, hey, the men run the church and the ladies run the potlucks, and that's how it needs to be. And this is really derived from a broader cultural patriarchal society, right? Like, we are hitting this point now where, you know, girl power runs supreme. And really, if there's a point where I'm in a room with some, like, aging baby boomers who will make certain comments, and I'm like, you can't say that. You, you know, I remember being a part of a Christian organization just a few years ago where it, the guy was like, hey, you're the woman. Can you go get the coffee for us? And I was just like, punch me in the face. But this isn't the society in which we live in. And I'm telling you, the thing that we can see when we look at the church is that's not how it was intended to be. And that's something that we've tried to model here at Echo. The big thing is that this church does not exist if not for women stepping up and leading in the ways that they have. And we need you to continue to do so. Now, we're going to get to the commissioning part. And you're going to see up here, you're going to start doing the math, and you're going to be like, wait, wait, way more dudes than ladies on this thing. Like, we have yet to achieve equality. Well, let's recognize this, though, too. The scriptures say, and this is the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 3, that we're all children of God. There's neither Jew nor Greek, no male nor female, that we are all equal within that. But that still does not then mean that we adhere to certain quotas to make sure that we are making everything equitable, right? We're going to see as we come through this is that there are certain prequalifications for leadership and it does not necessarily affiliate with gender. So before you're like, hey, you know, Echo needs to make sure that we get the equality aspect taken care of within leadership. I'm saying, look, you know, it's something that our leadership is cognizant of, but at the same time, we just all have to step up and serve. We're not going to make gender an issue here. And some of you have come from churches' backgrounds like that, which are very patriarchal. And we, we, we are not saying that they are wrong, but I guess we are by virtue of doing the opposite of what they're doing. But we're just going to say this, is that the scriptures do not delineate, and we are not going to delineate either. All right? By the way, if you have anything that I said right there that was questionable or you're wondering about, Larry is one of our elders. You can talk to him about that. The last thing I wanted to say right here, if you notice this, maybe you caught this, is that there was a name of disciple listed here. Did you see it? Judas, son of James. 
You saw that and you're like, wait a second, I thought Judas was, you're going to realize very soon why he chose to be called Thaddeus. Let's read the next text, Acts chapter 1, verses 16 through 19. Peter stands up before them and says, brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, um, which the Holy Spirit wrote about long ago. Losses through the mouth of of um, David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. Parenthetically, right here, starting in verse 18. With the reward that Judas got for his wickedness, he bought a field. There he fell headlong. His body burst open and all the intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in the language Akadama, which is the field of blood. Remember, Luke, the author of this book, was a doctor. I think he was very, like, let me tell you exactly what happened to his innards. You know, this is, I really, I'm a theologian. I cannot tell you why that little parenthesis was included in there. Like, let me show you what happened to his decomposing body. That's awkward. Let me start with this guy, though, Judas. And again, we, you know, Judas is actually now has become, a, you know, even culturally something bigger that's even in the Bible. To, to be a Judas is one who betrays. And we know the story from the scriptures, right? That the way that Jesus found his way to the cross is that Judas told the soldiers where he would be at a certain time and he identified him fully. So we have this like burden about who Judas is, Right? I mean, just look at how he looks right here. Like, this is an artist's rendition. This is not a Polaroid. This is, this is how we envision. Doesn't Judas, he's always just like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something bad, right? Like, this is who he seems to be. What I really appreciate about what the Luke does here in verse 17 is he quotes Peter as saying, he was one of us and participated and shared in our ministry. I don't think Judas was a bad guy. I think Judas had a bad moment. And that's something I think is difficult for us to see is because we want to focus in on the actions that he commits, but just not what here. Peter was telling his apostles, Judas was one of us. He was there with us. He performed ministry. And I think it's difficult sometimes for us to look at people and see that sometimes they are not the totality of singular actions, right? And they are more than that, but sometimes it's tough to discern between that. I'm going to offer this about Judas too, is that for some reason Jesus chose him to be one of his first group of leaders. And this gets us into the mind of God. It's like, yeah, did Jesus know that he was going to choose this guy and he was going to betray him? But at the same time, I would say that the way that Luke, through Peter's words, says here is that Judas was actually a vital part of the ministry of Jesus while he was on earth. Really, part of Jesus' ministry was based upon Judas as part of the foundation. So I just look at that because when many of us look at churches, the reason we don't like churches is because churches have leaders and we are suspect of leaders. Because we look at church leaders and so many of them do asinine things that we believe are reprehensible. And we use that as a piece of leverage against the moving of God in the broader church, right? And I could, you know, have provided slide after slide of pictures of people who have led churches and have done reprehensible things. 
But what I would challenge us to do is to, in some way, divorce that from what the best of the church can be. And what you as part of the body of Christ need to understand, even here at Echo, is that the people that we're going to put before you today as your leaders are flawed people. And friends, I'm at the head of the line. I could write pages of all the mistakes that I've made as a leader in this church in the last 14 years. I have said offensive things. I have not acted when I needed to act. I remember one time years ago when Kelly came up to me and there was a couple that stopped coming to church altogether. Uh, and they were, they were a wonderful young couple. And I was like, hey, where have they gone? And she goes, I was afraid to tell you. I was talking to the wife and you said something that really was like offensive to her and they're never coming back. I'm a flawed human. Man, Larry is a flawed human. All these people we're gonna put you today are flawed. But let me tell you, at the same time, they are all striving really well to be the leaders of Christ's church that they need to be. And I think what we need to do then in response to this is to grant a little grace. So when you think of me as a leader, think of Judas. And say, at least Steve is better than that. He did not betray Jesus. No. But just think of that and just, for some reason, Jesus called a flawed human being to follow him. Again, there's theologies about this. I I really think Judas is going to be in heaven. This is not biblical, so do not take this down. I'm just telling you, I think Judas is going to be in heaven. And I think, I can't wait to see that dude. Because I want to hear about everything else that he did in his life. Your leaders are flawed. The church's leaders have always been flawed. But we worship one who is not flawed. And that makes all the difference. We move on with me to verses 21 through 26. Peter continues, Therefore it's necessary to choose one of the men who have been here with the whole time of when the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken from us. For one of these there must become a witness with us to Jesus' resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over the apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Yikes. Maybe I was wrong about that. I don't know. By the way, I will just say, yeah, I might be, I don't know. I'm still going to hold on to that one. We'll see what happens. If I'm a heretic on this, you're, you're under my leadership, so it's great. Okay. They cast lots. The lots fell to Matthias, and he was added to the 11 apostles. Interesting story, right? First thing right here is that they're like, okay, we have to pick somebody to take his space. And I can go into this because you're like, if you really read the rest of the book of Acts, James is the first apostle that's killed. So they go from 12 again to 11. But when he dies, they're not like, oh, we have to fill this place. They just keep moving on. So at some point you're just like, did they have to fill the place? And there's something happening here because they're first gonna reach out to God's people. The, the 12 disciples were supposed to reflect the 12 tribes of Israel. There's a connection here. As much as I would really geek out and love to get into that, I, I think it obscures a few things that we need to focus in on that are more important. The first thing is that they said, look, we need to have somebody in our lot that has been here the whole time of Jesus's ministry so that when they're out testifying about him, that they can be like, I saw this myself. So 
at that, from Jesus's you know, beginning of his ministry to his death and resurrection, they come up with two names, right? And I love it because the first name, we're getting this guy, right? It's, it's, it's Joseph, who's also known as Barsabbas. He's known as a justice. Everybody calls him like the dude. Like he has all these different titles. And you're like, why does this happen? And I think this is what happens for us. I think what Luke is trying to say is that this dude was so well-known. Everybody had different names for him, right? Like he's the guy that makes perfect sense. And Matthias. You know, my Elias is like, mm-hmm. apostle maybe? Then there's this whole weird thing to where like they're going to Vegas and they're just like, all right, we're gonna flip a coin for it. But notice that they pray before that. And by the way, after this, this casting lot thing was very popular uh, actually among, uh, in Jewish tradition, the rabbis talked to it, is that you would pray and then cast lots and decide. This is the last time that lots are ever cast because the Holy Spirit comes and through the prayer, they're able to discern right or wrong, right? So they're just like, let's pray about this. We're gonna cast some lots and it's Matthias. And he's like, I guess. I really think that he was the most unlikely candidate and let me even tell you this. This is where, no way, Steve is really amping up the heresy level right here. Sometimes I'm wondering, maybe Matthias was the wrong choice. Do you realize is that as we read about Matthias right here, this is the last time he's ever mentioned anywhere. Like we don't know what happened to Matthias, right? He only has one name. We don't know what happened to him. I'm wondering, like, did, did tales land up and Matthias is just like, sweet, and justice, Bersabbas, whatever, is just like, I wish it was heads. You know, like, was he the right guy? And really, the reason I put that for you is like, he very well could have been. Because this is what happens in leadership is that sometimes the wrong people are asked to lead. Now I want to bring our leaders forward and talk about that. No. But sometimes, you know, we look at leaders and we're like, is that person qualified to lead? Is that who needs to be leading? There is an aphorism, however. And sometimes aphorisms are cheesy, but sometimes I lean into it and I think here it is incredibly appropriate. And this is what I want you guys to see today. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God does not call the qualified, he qualifies the called. So what's the intent behind this aphorism? The intent is to understand is that very often you don't become a leader because you have all the skills that are capable to make you that. You become the leader because you have to be the leader. So this is the thing I want to break down Before we dive deeper even into this comment, I want to dive deeper into this aspect because I think it's important, is that we're going to put some people before you today, and some of you are going to be like, man, that's great. I'm glad Echo has those leaders. Others of you are going to be like, you know what? I should be up there. Why am I not that person? You know, and to that, my answer is I have no flipping idea sometimes because maybe you have all the soft skills necessary to make you a leader in this church. Maybe you're a natural leader in whatever field that you're doing, and you're like, voila, you know, that's how I should do it. Honestly, in some churches, I've seen that's how they do it. It's like, oh, you have a, a, you're a C-suite leader in your organization? You need to be an elder. And it's like, great, you know how to run a bank. Do you know how to be there through thick and thin when people are having their life crumble around them? I think the big thing for us as a church is to understand is that, look, there are a pantheon of leaders within the New Testament, and not all of them were apostles. You know, I think of Barnabas, who's one of the, the greatest leaders in the New Testament. He wasn't an apostle. An apostle. 
I think of Tabitha and Priscilla and Apollos and all these men and women who were able to serve in the kingdom of God, but not all of them were apostles. And actually, by the time that John, who wrote the book of Revelation, dies, there's no apostles left anyways. But for some reason, the church persists and goes on. And it's not because of the brilliance of humanity. It's not because of the leadership acumen of a certain few people. It's because the Holy Spirit is the whole time lifting up leaders despite themselves. He qualifies the call. I can't end there. I gotta go back. I was like, sit down. Were you gonna stand the whole time? You just sat down slowly. You were just in my peripheral. I thought you were gonna attack me, Kendra. The kids are being supervised? Great, okay, good. Hey, so far, best sermon ever. I just needed you to know. Okay, everybody else will catch you up. It's not the best sermon ever. Oh, this is a quote. Sorry, I'm at the point to where there's so much I want to say here, so just sit with me. But this is Katie Cole, who wrote a book on women in leadership that I've worked myself through here. And this, this quote, I thought, was just great because it reflects us about leadership. Everybody cool? I'm fine. I have notes. Evan, it will make it. Okay. This quote. We're all going to fail. <laughs> and you have to take your learnings each time you fail and get better. This is the thing I love. Nobody knows what they're doing. I think when you're younger, you just assume everybody knows what they're doing, and you're the only one who doesn't. But as you get older, you realize, nope, we're all like little kids. None of us knows what we're doing. We're all trying to figure it out. So give yourself grace, give other people grace, and then be in constant pursuit to know yourself and how God created you. That's leadership at our church. That's what we're trying to model in leadership. I, we have no idea what we're doing, friends, but we're doing our best. Now can I get to where I was ending? This is the thing that I really wanted to push into. This is the point. I wanted to do a whole sermon on this, but I'm just even going to drop this. Just This happens before all this stuff. This is Jesus is getting ready to leave and ascend. After Jesus says his last regards to the apostles, he's taken up before their very eyes. A cloud hit him from their sight. The disciples were looking intently up into the sky as Jesus was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So Jesus leaves his scout troop on the hill. He ascends. They're looking up. And two men clothed in white, which generally speaks about angels, are like, guys, hey, guys, don't keep looking up. He's coming back. It's on you now. It's on you now. You must move on. Jesus is coming back. So I love that Lady Liberty has that little angle on her right foot sandal. She's on the move. And for this next season of what this body of believers needs to be, boy, our, our heel needs to be off the ground and we need to be ready to move. So some of you are newer. You're like, let me tell some of you old people in our crowd and our seasoned and matured who have been with us for a season or two about this. And this is what the tough thing is for everybody. This church 
has to change. Now, I'm not talking about moving people in and out. I'm not talking about laser lights, show fog machines, just things in that. I'm just talking about generally who we are. We have to change. If we were killing it, you know, we've got way more pew space than we need right now for our group. And the reason that we are not just trying to put butts in seats for attendance numbers, because we believe the same thing that those apostles were grasping with right there, is that Jesus is gone, he's coming back, we need to move on. And for some of us, that's a tough message. You know, for me, it's a tough message, because even moving on from this, lets me look in the past and say, hey, Steve, great way to fail for over a decade at what you were trying to create in the church. But I'll tell you, I am latched on to this because after this, I want way less Steve, just less Steve. It's better for the world. It's better for you. Less Steve and more of everyone else, the people that you're having up here. I thought I'd live and die in this church. Man, that might not even be the case anymore. I don't know. I'm not putting anything up into it. But my biggest regret would be, my biggest regret would be that we did not change to become the community that we needed to be for the community that God has put us in. He put us here for that purpose. He perhaps has placed you here for this purpose. So will you lead? Can we move on? Can we be the community of faith that we need to be for this to happen? So what I want to introduce now is introduce you to the people that have been called to lead you toward that. First, I want to introduce some elders. Larry, Eric, and Kevin, will you come up front? So some of you are new. I'm going to introduce some people right here. Larry was here from day one. Larry and I have known each other for 20 years now. And um, this is the thing. When Larry came up, you can come closer. It's awkward. Uh, Larry uh, was not an elder when he came to this church. We were still much younger 14 years ago. There was less gray in our facial hair, but, uh, and we didn't know what we were doing. I've got stories about when I said I messed up, I've got, and Larry will tell you how he has messed up as an elder. But at the end of the day, um, he has been faithful here, and some of you think he came with the church, and basically he did. And I uh, count him as a good friend, and I count him as a pastor shepherd to me in my life. And that's why I'm grateful that he's been here throughout. And then the guys on my right and my left, Eric has been coming to echo he and Melissa maybe about five, six years or so, but it was like day one. This was a guy who was passionate for the word of God. There is nobody more passionate at Echo Church for prayer. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. And if you are, connect with Eric and prove it because we need more people praying in this church. And that's why he's gonna be a good shepherd in this congregation because he is the man who loves the Lord enough to get down on his knees every day to pray for you and our ministry. And then Kevin is somebody that I've also been blessed to know for almost two decades now, which is crazy. And actually, Kevin has been an elder before and was an elder at the church where I was serving before we started Echo. And in that period of time, he has advised me on countless issues in my life because there's somebody, he, he will ask the tough question and say the penetrating word. And some of you, even though he and his wife, Jill, have only been here for a short amount of time, you've already been like, wow, Kevin is going to call me on stuff that I don't see, and that's why he's a great shepherd too. We've already had the chance for us to be able to meet about things, 
And the best part is when Steve has an idea and I'm like, hey guys, I think we need to do this. And the three other guys are like, that's a horrible idea. And I say, that's what this church needs. It's some good counsel, some good shepherds. They're not perfect, but they're called. So Larry's gonna pray for us now. Will you join us in prayer as we just pray for these shepherds? Lord God, it is a, uh, it's a humble honor to be able to come before you uh, knowing, Lord, that, uh, that you are most high and that you, you humbled yourself in order to, to bridge the gap, Lord, so that we could come before you, so that we could bow at your feet, Lord, and that you could raise us up and we could look you in your face. Lord, thank you for that. And so we come to you now, humbly, Lord, acknowledging you and, Lord, asking your blessing, asking your spirit to be here and to be on us as a congregation, Lord, as your body, but, Lord, also, moreover, to be on Eric and on Kevin, Lord, to bless them as they take on this uh, this, this added responsibility, Lord, to, to shepherd your people. Lord, knowing again that they are flawed. But Lord, that, uh, that they have a heart, they have a desire to lift you up, to worship you, Lord, and to be true servant leaders in the way that, that you yourself taught us and you showed us. Lord, knowing that we can never quite accomplish that, but through your grace, through your mercy, Lord, we can, we can move on. And we can move on as, as your body. And we can glorify you. And Lord, we can let you call, call all to, again to your feet and to be raised to worship you to your face, Lord. Bless us, bless Echo, bless your church throughout Cincinnati, throughout the world, Lord. And bless these leaders. Amen. Now I'm going to have our staff come up. So Seth, Kendra, Dylan, Chris, Kelly, will you guys come up front here? I will tell you this. So the way that this church is structured is we are shepherds of this congregation. Um, while we are, a, 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 we are, protecting the staff, but the staff are the ones who are going to lead this church. So our job is to pray for them, to support them, to keep them up front. I first, and again, all this stuff, I could say so much, but you guys just need to know. And yes, Burke, I'm talking a lot, but this is the thing, is that this is the best day. This is the best day because I look at this and I'm like, when we had a vision 15 years ago of coming to this community and just seeing a community that would happen, I think our vision was great, but I'm not sure we had all the right people here ready. I was even telling Seth last week, I was like, God has put the right people here now to change things. And you're a part of that, and they're a part of that. And I could say a lot about Seth. Seth is a great leader as our lead minister. But the funny thing about Seth, I'll just tell you, the, the, this morning we were, we were up front. I'm sorry, I had your names up there so people can find you on Facebook. Seth's on the front <laughs> hosing down something that was really rank on the front steps and I'm like good job lead minister 
Because that just shows is that he's going to think high level, but he's going he's to take care of the things that need to be. And he is leading our staff in an amazing, dynamic way. Dylan was, they were in this church, Dylan and Kathy, for maybe like two weeks before he became our worship minister. Like, it was just funny. They just moved down, and they're like, okay, I guess we're doing this now. And as much as he leads us to the throne of God, and with all of you who are participating in there every week, part of it is just his servant's heart is just undeniable. And he has been such a good pastor and minister for this church, too. Kendra actually started attending Echo when she was with, in college, when Garrett was here. And it was just, it, it was hilarious is that I, we were just at some point, we're like, okay, we got to make sure the kids don't kill each other. So we're like, well, you help do that, Kendra. And then she's like, yes, and. Everything in Kendra's vocabulary is yes, and. And now we're, we, we've given her this title of associate minister because even that doesn't fulfill everything that she does, but she is relentless in trying to make sure that things in this church are happening. And I think you guys are just seeing is that, yes, she is probably the hardest working person up here, and it just testifies to who she is. You know, Chris, I was thinking during the worship song, we, at the last one we sang, All the Poor and the Powerless, it was like about... It was years ago where we were in Chicago with Kelly and I, and actually the um, All Sons and Daughters who wrote that song were like doing it. It was on their brand new album, and we were there. And we walked to lunch, and we talked years ago about how can we collaborate on ministry. And Chris ministers, if you don't know, full-time with Back to Back Cincinnati. He is in the city every day. He, he is behind the scenes a lot. Sometimes you don't see a church because you're like, okay, he's up there preaching but man, we were in a meeting this week and Chris was just like, hey, by the way, blank, blank, blank. And we were all just saying like, that was a Holy Spirit working through Chris to lead in that way. So I'll say this, which is the awkwardness. Hi, he's just making great eye contact with me. I'll say the awkwardness is just that sometimes you're like, hey, where's Chris? Chris ministers all over the city and some Sundays he's not here with us, but that doesn't mean he's not being part of this church. He preaches in churches and he does that. So maybe that's something on us that we've not clarified, but Chris was there in a transition time. And if not for Chris, we're not at the point where Seth is at this church because Chris was the one who said, Seth Milhone's your guy. So he's been a great friend, continues to be so, and he's a great servant of this church. And then the other person who has been here at the point is Kelly becoming a teaching minister. When I wrote my blog post four years ago, she didn't talk to me for 12 hours because she's like, how can you resign and not tell me like that? Like, you're part of this church, and you're not allowed to say that because we got into this thing. And now I'm like, okay, you be the minister. But it's been a blessing to see how God has used your skills. You were always, always a minister in this church, and now God continues to use that. I love that we can sit here and see a bunch of flawed people standing before you, but I tell you, there are very few finer people to be able to journey with us. Do you agree with that? Are you seeing that? So this is what God has called. So this is what I want to do. I need uh, Kevin and Eric stay here, but can you three go up the aisle this way? Can you three go up this way? And we're going to do this thing because if you're visiting, it's always awkward, but we want to pray for some people. So we don't want you to have to leave. I did it deliberately because you front row people, you're going to have to get up and move because you've been here too long. So I want you, if you can, pick a side. Will you huddle around these people? Eric and Kevin are going to pray for them. So this is the audience participation you stand up, go stand next to somebody. If you don't feel comfortable standing up, that's fine. I'm sorry to do that. But what we just want to do is pray for these people. These are some flawed people, but they are the best damn flawed people I've ever been around. And yes, I use this to cuss. I'm a bad Christian. <laughs> Will you pray for these people? 
Dear Father God, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for everyone that is here today, and I especially thank you for our staff. I thank you for, for putting them here, for giving them a heart for you, and for uh, allowing uh, you to work through them. Just want you to, I want to lift up uh, Kendra, and I thank you so much for bringing Kendra here, and I thank you for her heart, and I thank you for all of the mighty works that you are doing through her and for her just boundless energy and for her willingness to just step up and take on new roles and to have a heart for this community and our kids and everyone at the church. I just thank you so much for bringing her into our lives. It's in your son's name. Dear Lord, I do thank you again that you're a great God. I thank you for sending your son in whom we have access to you. And I just lift up to you this church. I thank you again for Echo. I thank you for what you're doing here. And I lift up to you, Kelly. I thank you for uh, her example that I've seen through the years. I thank you for the Carr family. And I just lift up to you, Kelly. I pray you uh, anoint her for this next uh, step of responsibility. I pray for wisdom, for strength, for joy. And I lift up to you all the staff here and the congregation of Echo. And just thank you. You're a good God, and you're doing great things. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Seth, why don't you come up here now? Seth's going to close this out, but for me, again, if you're visiting here, God bless you. I know these types of things are a little peculiar, but this is just who we are as a body. We're grateful that you're here visiting with us today. For those of you who have been a part about this, I hope this is a good day. We're turning a page, but, man, we're moving forward. It's some good things. Hope you're excited to be a part of it. Hey guys, um, we can uh, we can go back to our seats. Yeah, that's great. I think change is a scary word for some of us. Um, I know it is for me. Um, it's been a year and I don't know a few months since since I've been here. And uh, like Steve was saying, I I mean this all started happening for me when I sent a text message to Chris, and I was like, hey, man, you ever think what it'd be like to do something together? And he was like, now all of a sudden, like, I'm the lead minister of this church. (laughs) So that's kind of how that happened. And um, it was a big change for our family. So if anybody knows about change, it's the Milhones. And um, and it was scary, man. Let's be honest about it. It It was a big difference. We were coming from a church where I was the student minister, and there were probably around 350 people there on any given Sunday. So uh, it was it was quite it was quite the change, and 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 I know that I know that that, that word even can be like, oh no, like what's going to happen? Um, it's not going to happen like that. Um, just so you know, uh, I I was pretty passive for for quite a while was when I got in here, and that was intentional because I wanted to get the lay of the land. And now that I feel like I'm starting to get a hold of that, I'm, and I'm still learning, and I'm going to continue to learn, uh, that's, that's my role here, is to, be, is to be a learner about you guys and what makes you tick and the things that you want to do. So a number of us who were standing up here went to, an, ironically enough, an elder leadership training yesterday. And, and I found it to be really helpful. And, and one, of the most, uh, one of the things that stands out to me the most that we heard was uh, a man by the name of uh, Gary Johnson, 
who has led some big churches, he, he said the phrase that church leadership is a circle. It's not a, it's not a pyramid. And I really resonate with that because even though like there seems to be like this corporate structure where there's like a, an organizational chart and there are people at the top and subordinates underneath, like <laughs> that's, not, that's not a biblical model and that's not what I'm interested in doing. So if you have an idea, if you're like, let's go do this, tell somebody. If you have any kind of inkling to go out and to, to do anything, let me know. Um, those, are, those are the things that, uh, that, that I want to hear. Otherwise, like, I'm just going to continue to cycle through ideas and to tell you all about them. And, and I prefer to do this together. Uh, I've got this title, Lead Minister, but I would much rather prefer we all view ourselves as lead ministers because I think that's how this works best. Um, so when we gather around each other and, and we pray for the leaders, you know, yeah, that is, that is a, a, a qualified calling. Like it feels, it feels like we're supposed to be here and to be doing these things. Um, but like I said before, I, I, want it to be, I want it to be a community effort. And, and we started doing a lot of those things. And, and, and you guys who, who are out here leading stuff, whether it's, whether it's ballet or totes for teachers or whatever it is that we're doing, like those things are significant. And, and our community is being blessed because of it. So let's keep, let's keep pouring gas on that fire, right? Let's keep stoking it. Let's keep seeing where that goes. Um, because I think, I think that that's the way this works best. And that's, uh, that's how I see it done, done well and, and done biblically. So that's that.